Welcome back to Once Upon a Disney, an analytical yet fun-loving look at Disney narrative filmography from the 20th century. I'm Andy Redwine, and with me is my co-host, who will never quit being who he really is, Larry Brenner. How are you, Larry? Um, You know, the truth of the matter is, Andy, you're correct. I will never quit being who I am, because when my grandmother told me that I was, in fact, the princess, I did make a different choice than the characters in this movie, uh, which is... I, I think, you know, the road less traveled by, which has made all the difference. <laughs> what movie are we doing today, Larry? Uh, I'm sad to say we're doing The Princess Diaries, Andy. Uh, the original oh, you didn't princess. Like, you didn't like this one, huh? Didn't like <laughs> is a tame description of my feelings for this movie. Uh, there, I really struggled with this one. Mm. And it makes me feel like I've been hard on other movies because I would rather watch the Santa Claus, Tuck <gasps> Everlasting, Return <gasps> to Oz, a bunch <gasps> of other movies with the exception, <laughs> with the exceptions of Xenon and Xenon 2. This, this one is the bottom three mm. for me. This was, this was wow. a low point for me. Are you going to tell me that you loved it? Because mm, I'm not going to say I loved it. I no, I can't. I, that would be lying. No, I, this is not one of my favorites either, but I mean, I understand the popularity of this movie at the time. It's, it's a comeback for Julie Andrews. I think Anne Hathaway does a great job in this movie uh, and saving a pretty dismal script, honestly. I feel like we're going to need to play the glad game at the end of this instead of. Oh, let's let's do that. Let's play the glad game at the end. I think so too. All right. Well, some key facts to get this, um, Dirge started. <laughs> uh, one of the big challenges Disney had during this time period was this sort of swirling criticism over the lack of G-rated movies. So they were putting out family content, but it was PG-rated. Okay. Enter the Dove Foundation. So the Dove Foundation is a nonprofit which encouraged the creation of family entertainment. They conducted a 1999 study and this study suggests that G-rated films, because of their longer shelf life and reintroduction to future generations, are more successful than R-rated movies. Okay. okay. Fair enough. Okay. I, I mean, that, that premise seems <coughs> sound. Okay. So in the 1960s and 1970s, G-rated movies were regular fare, and Disney was responsible for the lion's share of those releases. But the Dove Foundation claimed that during the 80s and 90s, the G rating became the kiss of death for studios. Uh, even so, the study of 2,380 movies indicated the return on investment for a G rated movie was 66%, while an R rated movie was 37%. G rated movies were found to last longer in theaters, get better TV and cable deals, and do better in foreign markets at least according to this Dove study. Now, I think there are other reasons for just the ratings um, that they don't take into account in the study. I did go through the study. It's, it's something I'm, else. I'm going to, I'm going to try to, I'm, I don't, I haven't read the study, but I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to make a guess as to the major flaw in this yes. analysis. Hit it. And the major flaw in this analysis, I'm willing to bet is the study does not take into consideration the quality of the movies that it's looking at. It's That's isolating correct. as a variable. This is rated R, so people didn't come back to it. This is rated G, so people did come back to it. But but I, it may have nothing to do with the rating. It may have to do with the quality of the movies that they're looking at. 
I, I agree. And also a tr- a, assuming that, well, it doesn't see a couple, it doesn't see streaming coming down the pike, for example. It doesn't oh, see. Oh, so who could? That's not that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nobody sees that happening. And the other thing that it doesn't really take into account is um, the, um, uh, like, oh, just like DVD releases and that sort of thing. It doesn't really just, take that into account. It sort of looks at theater, but I, I question these numbers. Let's just say that. The I data want looks to make a little weird. argument uh-huh. that, that you can make a quality G-rated movie. The oh, problem yeah. with G-rated movies is that very often, you know, people don't want to put a lot of effort into a movie that's aimed at kids. But uh-huh. Fair. You know, that, that they're like, oh, well, this is for kids, so we don't have to try as hard. If you want to make a good G-rated movie, put in the effort that you'd make for another movie. Well, and this it takes m- just as much effort to make a bad movie as it does a good one. So you might as well make a good one, right? That was some advice I got one year. <laughs> well, except I don't think the effort was made here. Mm, agree. Okay, so this might be, we might be getting a little lost in the data weeds, but such was the landscape in the late 90s and early 2000s. Uh, the Dove Foundation delivers uh, this study to studio executives throughout the industry, lays it on their desks and says, this is what we found, right? Um, so that's that's the conversation that they are facilitating in the marketplace and with studios as well. So Nina Jacobson, who served as the head of the Disney Picture Group, said really the key she thought was marketing. And she said her response was that people have been looking at G ratings as excluding a group rather than being inclusive, which is kind of what an R rating is. Right. So Disney was pretty excited about the success of the Parent Trap remake, which we need to do. Yeah, we need to do that one. Yeah. And 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 they decided to roll the dice here as well. And Jacobson invites Gary Marshall to direct the Princess Diaries. He was in her office pitching some other ideas, and she said, "Well, what if what if you directed this?" And he said, "Okay." Now he Gary Marshall said that when he took his daughters to G-rated movies, they weren't so good, and that parents dozed off. I'm assuming that means him, <laughs> right? But but yes, I agree with you, Gary Mar. I mean, the the problem is here. I dozed off during this one as well. If your goal <laughs> is to make a G-rated movie then your movie's going to be boring. You need to make a good movie and then find out that it's rated G. And mm-hmm. like, like that's backwards. It's yeah, just backwards. It's to- totally. It's yeah, so totally, all of this is backwards. Mad. Okay. Yeah. So he had concerns about directing to a G rating. I uh, know Gary Marshall, if you don't remember Gary Marshall, he directed or, and created Happy Days, Laverne and Shirley, Mork and Mendy. He directed movies like, Overboard, Beaches, Pretty Woman, The Flamingo Kid, Runaway Bride. So these are all very, very big movies in the 80s and 90s, particularly Pretty Woman. And I think this movie has a lot of Pretty Woman echoes. Oh, a lot of them. A lot of them. Yeah. Um, However, this is also a time period where parents were buying and renting re-release DVDs from their childhood to share with their own young people. Okay. Maybe and some Gary, teenagers were doing that as well. Maybe so. Uh, a couple. Uh, so Marshall, Gary Marshall said he wanted to do a fairy tale for the fairy tale crowd, which are the young girls and boys hoping that the project would cross over to adult audiences. So there, the idea here was to create a new classic, a movie with a long shelf life, 
a movie young people would want to watch again and again in various formats. Whitney Houston, the Whitney Houston, and uh, Deborah Martin Chase served as executive producers. $26 million budget. It brings in, this movie brings in $165.3 million, and uh, it launches Anne Hathaway's career. As it did, and I will say, Anne Hathaway is amazing in this movie. Yes, agree. I think she carries this movie quite well. She deserves to have a career launch. She elevates this material. Okay, I'm 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 going to tone it down. I'm going to tone okay, it down. Snark okay, is well, <laughs> I'll tone it down. So this movie is based on a novel by Meg Cabot. Cabot crafted the tale after her father died and her mother began dating a teacher. She said she was obsessed with thinking she was a princess when she was young because she was convinced her folks were royalty. Uh, there are currently 12 princess novels in the series, including the latest release in March of 2023, The Quarantine Princess Diaries. Oh, boy. <laughs> I, you know what? You know, that that is not about the book series being a success. I'm sure that the book series is very good. Um, I'm actually kind of I'm actually kind of I, I didn't know that there was a series until I you know did a little research here. I just I knew there was the one book. I didn't know there were the 12. So she's I'm, I'm sure I'm assuming she's done pretty well with those. So it's just it just it just makes me imagine a world in which we have to watch all our fictional characters go through quarantine. It's quarantine, Charlie Brown. <laughs> A Muppet Family quarantine. I don't. I don't need that anywhere. <laughs> I would like to see the Muppets get quarantined. Come on, that'd be great. That'd be that'd be great hijinks. Okay, so both the Princess Diaries and Mary Poppins were filmed on the same soundstage on the Disney lot, thirty-seven years apart. Uh, and stage two is now named the Julie Andrews stage. So, all right, very good. There it is. Yes. So, so let's get into. What we're going to gracefully call story um, and plot, uh, but that is us doing a lot, a lot of work. Yes, this is the toned down snarky me. I feel much stronger about this. And we're going to begin with the Manish Tana. And normally our question when we're doing the Manish Tana is why does this movie start where it starts? But Andy, I have a special question for this movie that I normally don't ask. Mm, mm -hmm. What, how does this movie start? I don't remember. I I really, I really don't. Yeah. Yeah. So this movie has one of those, um, I call it time to get the popcorn beginnings, right? Because it's like the credits are rolling. We're, it's a very, very slow burn that sets us in San Francisco. It's a slow burn by 20, 2001 standards. Uh, because usually we're getting into the movie a lot quicker. So, so uh, yes, we start with shots of San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm remembering that. We also see the Queen's entourage. So we see this limousine. We don't know it's the Queen. We don't know much about it. But we see this limousine. It's got flags on it. And the car it's drives drive- down the road. Yeah, right, this is great. This is a great movie. Uh, and going. driving. Yeah. And so then we see the Queen's entourage against the restored firehouse. Now, oh, by the way, I'm convinced they live in Herbie's old firehouse that's been smartly redecorated, by the oh, way. Oh, that would make sense. That that was in the second Herbie movie where he was living, right? San Francisco is where yeah, he was living yeah, yeah, in yeah. that one. Yeah. Well, and, the, yeah, they, yeah, they're always in San Francisco. And, and okay, like, that happens. Keep going. Mm-hmm. What what happened? Nothing's happened. We've seen so, things. What, so it's time for school. We meet Mia and her cat. Uh, we see that this 
firehouse is kind of an art studio, maybe. Uh, Mom's coaching Mia about how to make a speech at school. We learn that Mia's a little klutzy. We meet the next door neighbor briefly. We meet Buttons the dog who never returns. I don't remember uh, Buttons the dog. Yeah, she she says hi Buttons to the dog. It's really odd. I watched this movie last night. I don't remember. Okay. There there are lots of little p- places where oh like here's the ma- here's a, a the manager of the uh, rock climbing place or what like we'll see these people and then we never see them again. So that's always odd to me. So she, we knew she goes to private school. She's in a uniform. We meet Lana. Anna and Fontana. We see Jeremiah on the wall. We never see him again either. Um, I'm so, and then some boy sits on her. Okay, well, let's stop. Of let's stop is, here because that's yeah, like yeah, seven yeah, yeah, yeah. minutes. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, yeah, it is. It is. That is a lengthy manish tana to accomplish nothing. It accomplishes nothing. Cities exist. Cars exist. Schools exist. But none of that. None. Why start here? Well, I mean, I think, I think the idea is we we're going to give some exposition about Mia, but we don't really. But you can give exposition in a way that still has some plot to it. It is entirely wrong for this movie. Mm-hmm. Entirely wrong. This should be the opening of the movie. I'm going to I'm going to pitch it to you, Andy. Sure. Yeah, We're yeah, in yeah. this place called Genovia. The queen is Julie Andrews is sitting on the throne and someone says to her, "Hey, there's this obscure law on the books that says if you don't have an heir, this other couple who we will later meet in this movie is about to take over the throne. She looks and she sees these hungry, evil people looking at her wanting the throne. And, and her advisor says to her, you need to have an heir. Surely there's someone we see her eyes go wide in horror. And then we cut to Mia in San Francisco tripping on stuff. Um, that is a, yeah. That's that's, that's everything. A, well, it is because it sets up the problem, right? We and we learn a lot more. I think I I yes, I agree with you. Far better, far better. And again, that would be an opening that would give us the antagonist first, too, right? This movie doesn't. This movie has characters that are arguably going to be the antagonists, but they antagonize by existing. They actually don't do anything in this movie. But but we need to like this is let's not be coy. I went to see a movie called The Princess Diaries. We don't need to take like a half hour for her to find out that she's a princess. I've known that for a while. Well, let's, for that let's do, for that matter what? when we when we slam cut, when we slam cut to her, why isn't she writing in a diary? Do you know what movie does this better? King what, what Ralph is? does this movie better. Oh, yeah. King Ralph begins, the entire royal family ha- is, has assembled. They all get together for a photo. The ground is wet. Uh, they take the picture. There's an electrocution. The entire royal family mm-hmm. uh, is killed in one foul blow. And then we, and then like they're trying to find who the next heir is. And we cut to Ralph. That's what this movie should do. King mm, Ralph is interesting. King Ralph is an infinitely better movie than this movie is. Okay. And I never thought I'd say that, but there we go. <laughs> King Ralph. 
All right. So apparently the Manish is about exposition, which we're it telling is. you, we're telling you when you write your screenplay, that's not the way to do this. It, Introduce the problem. Introduce you don't a. Need to tell us things that we know that San Francisco right. is a place that right. kids go to school. We don't. Right. The, the one thing that needs to be explained that is never explained is why are they living in an abandoned firehouse? That's a good one, right? And and I believe we're supposed to think they're so poor they live in a firehouse. That firehouse would cost millions of dollars. <laughs> yes, it my would. kids want to live in that firehouse. We That's all want to live in that firehouse. And if, if like the, you, if you, I mean, you can kind of understand why she doesn't want to leave the firehouse and move to Genovia because that firehouse is awesome. <laughs> All right, Disney, I got a pitch for you. We bought a firehouse. It is a movie of a family that buys a firehouse. It writes itself. All right. Okay. All right. So moving back to plot. I, and, uh, and what let's is, talk about let's talk about exposition for just a minute. One of the things I noticed in this movie is that all of our Disney princesses have an I want song. She doesn't really have a song because this isn't a musical, but she has an I don't want statement. Which is, I don't want to be a princess. I, be- believable? Well, I mean, it's entirely wrong for what this movie is. This movie is selling the fantasy. Like, I have never been a little girl. But fair. I, I have experienced many little girls. And they mm-hmm. often want to dress up as princesses. They like to pretend they're princesses. It's the, the fantasy, <laughs> the fantasy of many young women is yes. they want to be princesses. So yes. why are, is our surrogate character someone who never wants to be a princess? Mm. Why? By the way, I think we're jumping into inciting incident here. Uh, the, inciting, the inciting incident, I think you'll agree with me, is she finds out that she's a princess and is needs to be trained to one day rule the country of Genovia. That's the so. This is where incident. the plot gets a little murky for me. And it wasn't. Um, it wasn't crystal clear before. <laughs> right. Um, she said, uh, "Julie Andrews' character, um, Clarice says, is it Clarice? Yeah, it's Clarice. Says, um, have you ever heard of Edward Kristoff? Somebody, and she says, no." And I'm like, that's your dad. Like, how does she not know of her dad? So it's uh, it's a weird. She does seem to know of her dad. Well, she says, isn't this the guy that isn't this the guy that, you know, isn't this the person who made you get a divorce? She says to her mom about the grandmother. But that also turns out to not be true. And she also says this is the first time she's ever contacted us. Well, if she's the first time. How do you know he's dead, right? So, I'm so, like, yeah, there's I, a whole I, lot. Yes. And the reason there's a whole lot is I believe the story changes as they shoot the script <laughs> and they never, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I don't think they ever revised the script to have continuity. So at times it appears that. Oh, no, that- no, no, no. Yeah. I mean, she goes to see her grandmother. The gra- The security guard asks her for her name. She says, name, she says, Clarice Rinaldi. And he goes, oh, we'll come right in. She's not Clarice Rinaldi, right? <laughs> there, there, there's, there's a bunch of, there's a, but even beyond that, even even putting like, like that's a mistake. There are right. times where she talks about knowing her father. And mm-hmm. there are times where she talks about never knowing her father. 
Mm-hmm. There are times where her father died two months ago and she's been in mourning. And there are most of the time she has not been in mourning. She doesn't, she, she has like this. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't no. make sense for any of this to have happened in this way. Mm-mm. And I was not planning to spend this much time talking about King Ralph. In King Ralph, it's very easy. He never knew who his father was. Mm-hmm. His mother his mother had a one-night stand. And I understand G-rated movie. That can't be the thing. He never knew who his father is. They come and tell him he's the heir and he's surprised. Done. In this, in this movie, somehow, because we can't hate anyone because it's G-rated, grandma is both a good grandma but also the, secretly the queen of another country. But she, also she never comes to see her granddaughter, but also her granddaughter has always known that she loves her and she's been present in her life, even though she's been absent. But it makes can, no we sense. Can hate, we can hate people in a G-rated movie, right? Not not Julie Andrews. We're not allowed to Oh, we're not going to hate Julie Andrews. I mean, I think, I think this story, so the initial story, the book, uh, is really about her father training her to be. Yes, a yes, I found that as correct. well, which is a better metaphor because there is a metaphor for um, my dad thinks I'm a princess, but I'm a real woman, right? That, right. But that would be a teen movie. Well, and, this, and yeah, and uh, again, if you want Julie Andrews in this movie, who obviously brings the box office dollars. Because that's who people are going sure. to see. Uh, that's, yeah. But I'm going to argue, Julie yeah. Andrews, I'm not going to say she's miscast, because Julie Andrews is an amazing performer. Right. But they needed to let Julie Andrews be less Mary Poppins and more Emily Gilmore for Gilmore Girls. And I'm not saying Julie Andrews couldn't be like the sort of character that Kelly Bishop is. Uh, as mm-hmm. Emily Gilmore on Gilmore Girls, because I think she could she could do it, but but the truth of the matter is she's so soft that you're like, how has this woman not been a part of her granddaughter's life all of these years? Mm-hmm. So so we have to immediately throw out in this movie that we will ever understand the circumstances that have led this young woman to growing up not knowing she's a princess. It makes no sense. Um, And the worst part about it is they try to explain it, but they explain it multiple ways. And that's worse than not explaining it. Right. Let it go. Like if you, you can have your lie, right? Have your one lie. We'll accept it. Just, you don't have to unpack it. Dad was the prince. She goes, what? And then you never, how could I not know? We wanted you to have a normal life done. Let's never talk about how that worked. And right. move on to the fun stuff, which I'm going to argue, Andy, this movie never gets to the fun stuff. I'm going to quickly get us through plot because I'm sensing we don't really want to talk about it. <laughs> All right. Fair so enough. when normally this is the point where I say a bunch of things happen during the rising action. But in fact, very little happens during the rising action. She goes to school. She she has interactions with her classmates there's a the boy she likes pretends to like her the boy who likes her there's like there's like a love triangle 
but I'm spending more time on it in these five seconds than the movie really invests us emotionally. There are mean girls at school. Um, you know, she repeatedly has the conversation with her mother and grandmother about how she doesn't want to be a princess. They ask her to keep trying. She keeps trying. And then she says, I don't want to do it again. And we just redux that situation roughly 1,000 times uh, in the course of this movie. Till we I mean, get this is a make this is a makeover movie, right? It is. I mean, she gets is made about, over. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's gets, that's the stuff that sticks with me. She gets made over, which includes some body shaming. Um, not. Yeah. I mean, she's clearly she's clearly been made to look less attractive because Anne Hathaway is so pretty. She's so she pretty. really she really is. They, yeah. they they like they clearly glued caterpillars to her eyebrows. Uh, they like that hair that she's got at the beginning. Um, listen, listen, ladies out there with curly, unmanageable hair, there is nothing wrong with your hair. Uh, you're still attractive with curly, unmanageable hair. We like that too. It doesn't always have to be straight. That's right. Um, but that is alchemy he performs on her hair. You can't turn that hair into that hair. It, uh, it, that's uh, uh, that there's some sorcery going on there. I think there's, a, I think there's a wig change. <laughs> She's, yes, yes, of course. Of course. But my real point here is we're moving towards a climax and I'm going to throw out um, that there are two things we could point as the climax, the moments of highest tension, um, but, but really only one. So there is a confrontation between uh, the queen and Anne Hathaway. Mm -hmm. She of the changing names. Um, And in that confrontation, the queen says, you've embarrassed me at this beach party, in which, in which case Anne Hathaway was really just the, the victim of circumstances. And now, mm-hmm. now I don't want you to be a princess. And in this moment of confrontation, Anne Hathaway says, you're right, I shouldn't be. That's the fight. <sighs> That's the fight. One person yeah. says, we're going to take this away from you. And the other person says, sure, why not? This this is a movie that has no conflict in it, really. And no. there's there's let me let me rephrase that. There is conflict in this movie, but it is not about the central dramatic question. The, the dramatic question is, is she going to be a princess or not? None of the conflict has there's no conflict with any of that. But this moment should be a big deal. It should be mm-hmm. a reversal. Oh, the entire great. Yeah, movie, yeah, yeah. The queen has been pushing her to become a princess. Mm-hmm. And she has said she doesn't want to be. In this moment, now that the queen is saying, I no longer want you to be the princess, what we need is for Anne Hathaway's character to be saying, but now this is the thing I want the most. Right, exactly. I've totally bought into it. I want it now. But it doesn't do that. It makes her more passive, too, as a character, right? Yes. But this is not the climax, although I would argue it's the biggest confrontation in this movie. The climax is uh, what Andy referred to in pre-production as the ticking clock part of this movie. Um, She is supposed to get to a ball because she needs to. So she's been invited to this ball. At this ball, she's supposed to renounce her claim to the throne. Mm -hmm. She doesn't initially doesn't want to go to the ball because she'd be embarrassed renouncing her claim to the throne. 
Then she gets a letter. She finds a letter in this diary from her dad and she decides she does want it. And the ticking clock is if she doesn't go to the ball, her grandmother is going to renounce the princess's claim to the throne, which previously we had heard was not something the grandmother could do for her. Um, but apparently now it is. Um, and okay, I have questions. <laughs> I have questions. So first of all, the Genovian crest that opens the diary, when the grandmother gives it to her, she said, it was mine. She says it was mine. So I'm like, why Why is your crest opening this diary that her father gave her? That seems really strange to me. Well, it's the locket that opens it up. It's the locket. Oh, if you go look inside the, okay, okay. All right. Um, all right. But that's weird, right? It's all weird. It's all weird. None of it, <laughs> none of it makes sense. Why would a locket be the thing you use to keep, to keep a diary secure? When a pair of scissors could cut open that latch and someone could read the diary. Okay. That isn't okay, but we'll put that aside because because that is yeah not I mean, the but, problem. But the problem when, when we think the princess diaries, when I think of the princess diaries, I think this person is keeping a log of what's going on. I, I need to come and back. That to doesn't point. happen. Please do. Because because I just need to get to the climb. I want to get out of plot and then I'll I'll do this. Okay, okay. But the climax of this movie is, can she get to the ball? Right. And the answer is, she can if somebody drives her there. That's the solution. She gets a ride. That's it. That's, uh, okay. She gets there. She yeah, gives I a speech. So. She does a terrible job giving the speech, but ultimately does not renounce her claim to being the princess. Dance party, falling action is just this, that she's going to Genovia to be the princess. She also kissed the boy she really likes. Um, he's going to come visit her. Her best friend's going to come visit her. Uh, at, they should have the, been on that plane. At the end of the movie, she looks out the window. She sees a palace. But are we going there? We are not. The movie is over. No. This is not what the movie The Princess Diary should be. So so here's the no. And so here's my other question about the climax, right? Cuz I'm I'm kind of stuck on the diary, but then the diary is like her father saying you should go, but like it, it's like how do I want to say this? If the grandmother remains the queen, like why is the grandmother not going to be the queen anymore? She's not dead. She will die. She will die without an heir. And at some point down the line, uh, the evil people who I don't really know that they're evil. I know that they're physically unattractive, um, right. which means evil in this movie and that they're excited about being king and queen. But you know what? Who wouldn't? Um, will will take over at that point. I don't, it is not really explained. It isn't. It also isn't clear why she has to renounce immediately. Why the princess needs to renounce immediately? Yeah. No, why would Why would the renunciation take place in San Francisco? Right. Like, there's a whole lot here. Why are we not in Genovia? Like, we should be in Genovia by the end of Act One. This whole movie should be a after Act One. Yes. should be in Genovia. 
So here, my, my big my big thing is like the stakes aren't high enough. I don't care. Like I don't. I really don't care if Genovia goes to these people because I don't know if they're evil. I don't know what's. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there's no Genovia is a made up nonsense place that has right. pears. All we know about it it's is bad. that it has pears. That is the the pears. That is the entirety of what we know about this movie. Yeah, yeah. And and I want to, I want to throw out to you, King Ralph. He goes (laughs) to England where he doesn't belong. He's in Buckingham Palace, and he wants a bowling alley. Yeah, that is what this movie should be. She's a teen girl who suddenly finds out she's a princess. She goes to her sort of fairy tale not but not fairy not magical a fairy tale kingdom where she's a princess but she's a modern girl she's not the fish out of water in this movie because she's still going to high school she's in her old world the whole yeah. this is dorothy spending the entire time in kansas this right. is marty mcfly spending all his time in the 1980s And we get a glimpse of Oz or the 1950s at the end of the movie. And that's not where this movie should be. Yeah. I mean, we have a stranger coming to town and the stranger comes to town and stays in town. But the it's just weird. It's weird. And then and then and then the the main character just acquiesces to everything. Because she's a G rated (laughs) character. And I think the science was G-rated characters never really do anything wrong. Not really. That's interesting. That's that's really interesting. It's kind of like, um, but I mean, if you look at like the Parent Trap, right? Those kids are in mischief and do that is a things, great right? G-rated movie. Pollyanna uh, is a good character, but that yeah. she's also. Like she breaks the rules a little bit. That's another great G-rated movie. Yeah, you can have. I would argue you can have conflict in a G-rated movie, but everybody. It's almost like you can feel the nervousness of people to have any kind of conflict or problem. This movie is toothless. Ah, uh, there it is. There it is. It, yeah. It just it it is unwilling to do anything real, and there are places where you and I will find conflict. Mm-hmm. That the movie will dismiss as this isn't a big deal, but in fact is a really big deal. But the movie doesn't know that it is, so it's mm-hmm. not. Um, I want to get back to your point about that this movie is called The Princess Diaries. Yeah. Uh, which which I really do want to unpack. Um, you you had been saying that, like, what is this diary? It seems to be from her father. Right? Right. Um, and and I agree with you on that. This could be the princess letter. Her her father didn't write in a princess diary. He wrote in a prince diary. Yeah. When we're talking about a movie that's got the word diary, that mm-hmm. implies that the diary belongs to the protagonist. Right. That they're telling a that we're getting a glimpse that we are getting a glimpse right. into a diary. That we would hear some maybe some voiceover as they're writing. We would hear, you know, like we would hear what's going on in their brains and minds and life, right? If you re-envision this movie as Diary of a Wimpy Princess, like it's the Diary of the Wimpy Kid movie. Interesting. But it's this girl who kept a diary and one, dear diary, you'll never believe what happened to me today. 
I became a princess. And you did that kind of narrative. And we're getting, we're, this is a movie that calls out for voiceover where normally I don't want there to be voiceover. Right. But in this movie, there should mm. be some. It's a diary. The actual diary doesn't come into this movie. We see a book at around 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Mia doesn't get the book until about 20 minutes before the end of the movie. And when she opens oh, up soon? the book. Oh, soon? I thought it was later than that. And then when she opens up the book, she doesn't read it. A letter falls out of the diary. So really the diary is functioning as, dare I say it, an envelope. Because in that envelope yeah. is a letter from Mia from her father. Which- yeah, I have not, I, to be very fair, I have not read the the novel. I just read the kind of the, the Cliff's Notes version online. Um, but I suspect that there's more diary in that book than there is in this. It's just unfortunate. It's almost certainly. Well, I, I uh, have not read the books, but my every instinct is telling me that the books were great but that they were made toothless because the overall um, the overall demand from the mm-hmm. people making this was keep it G, keep it G, keep it G. Yeah. So and keeping so, it G so means are, taking so out snark. Are, yeah. You know, disrespect yeah. to your parents, getting but, in trouble okay, for let's, real. Well, let's talk about characters because I think when one of them happens, we're going to talk about some snark that we're like, really? Yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. Let's Mia Thermopolis, Anne Hathaway, who's obviously the star of this. This movie makes her career. I mean, it she launches She's delightful it. in this. She's movie. wonderful. She's great. Camera loves her. She's, um, I, apparently she fell off of a chair in uh, in her audition and Gary Marshall said, that's the one. I love her. Let's do it. She's great. I I mean, you can't watch this movie and not as much as I didn't like this movie. Every part of me is saying she's a list. Oh, every yeah. time, every time. And I bet she and Julie Andrews, I don't know this, but in my head can canon fan fiction, I bet she and Julie Andrews got along famously. It mm-hmm. really seems like they did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's an affection in the performance that I think is real. I think she's delightful in oh, this. Oh yeah, she's great. I think I think she takes a like I we said a really awful script and gives it some magic. I think she's in the right version of this movie that we're talking about. I think she's playing the mm. comedy in a way in which nobody else is really playing the comedy. The joke is often on her. When it's mm-hmm. never on anybody else. And that's the parts of this movie that really work. Yeah. Is, is the slapstick, is mm-hmm. the discomfort. I mean, there's a couple of times like, like where I'm like, why, why are you doing that? But, but I say that with the three stooges too. It's funny. <laughs> right, 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 right. That really what it is, is everybody else is in a different movie. And normally, I, when I say that happens, that I what I want to say is that performer needs to be in the same movie as everybody else. Mm-hmm. Everybody else needs to be in the movie she's in. Yes, agree, agree. Uh, Clarice Rinaldi, played by Julie Andrews, who we we love on this podcast. We love her, which is why I, it's going to be so hard for me to say the thing that you're not really going to disagree with. Mm, right? Go ahead. 
Deep she breath. is not well used in this movie. She has not been in a Disney movie. She's been retired from Disney movies since Mary Poppins. And the idea is that you bring her back for this. This is this is not this is not using her well. I mean, there is a she could have a Poppins like aura, but she doesn't. I mean, I don't think she even has that. I think they were afraid to really have this movie be about the conflict between a grandmother and her granddaughter. Uh, and and some ways that you could do this. They they actually reveal that the things that we know about Julie Andrews' queen character that uh, we believe to be true at the beginning of the movie aren't. We're told that she's the one who pushed for the divorce between her parents. But later on in this movie, she says, actually, I always liked your mother. People thought that I was pushing for the divorce, but it wasn't me. Her, uh, Mia's mother thinks that her grandmother, that the grandmother pushed for the divorce. Um, she should have pushed for the divorce. She should have. And she's like, she should have been like, I got him to get divorced, but I couldn't get him to remarry and have another child. Do you she, feel like, do you feel like there's like this, you, you alluded to it earlier and I, I just kind of want some clarity. Do you feel like this movie is like bowing to the sensibilities of this like Dove Foundation? Yes. Kind of stuff and not, and thinking about, well, what can, what can children really handle? Versus what should children really see versus telling the movie, that, telling the story they want to tell. But that's exactly it. It is. It is uh, a backwards. It's yeah, a backwards yeah. constructed movie that got an IP and decided instead of making a movie that suited the IP, they were going to make the IP suit a structure that was not appropriate to it mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. obey rules that are not actually screenwriting rules. But yeah. that they think the science bears it out, and the truth of the matter, and is, the numbers and, bear it out, right? And the and yeah. and and as much as executives and studios look, executives and studios and producers are risk averse. It is a big deal to make a movie that flops. Yes. It can destroy your career. You're only as good as the most recent thing that came out. So right. that is not. But what they often try to do is say the way we get success is by treating making movie making like a science mm-hmm. and it's not a science no it's it, an art every movie is an act of art to a degree making an act of art is about taking a risk into the unknown of trying to say something that hasn't been expressed before and saying it right are there other characters we want to talk about <laughs> we have to talk about the best friend lily oh we do gosh i've been i've do you she's want me aw- to do this? She's awful. She's she she is not somebody I like. I want a best friend breakup here, and and not a reconciliation. Yeah, because her best friend is toxic, mean, um, selfish. Yeah, I mean, I mean, she's she's awful. So so this is a set of dialogue in this movie where. I yelled at the screen at the, my TV screen when it happened, and Graydon stopped and looked at me. The next day, Andy, watching this movie, texts me about this exact same moment. Mm-hmm. So this is the dialogue between uh, Mia and her best friend Lily. Lily says, 
something along the lines of tonight I've got to go have dinner with my father. Oh, he's the worst. He's always asking questions about me. I wish I could get out of it. And Mia says, well, at least you've got a dad. And Lily says, oh, are you still upset about that? It's been two months since your dad died. Why are you still upset about that? Gosh, my eyes are even getting big just hearing you recount it. It's so awful. And the movie treats that as, yeah, Lily is telling truth. Mia should be over the death of her father. It's been two months. Lily cares more about the seals and the, you know, her, her, uh, radio show, TV show, exactly show. Yes. Then she does about her, her friends. I I mean, Lily is incredibly self mean, does some body shaming. Oh yeah. And, and, and it's, and it's nasty to the point where like Mia is crying because Lily's upset about how pretty Mia looks. Um, and Lily is constantly trying to push Mia to not be a princess. And the movie wants us to treat, treat this like both friends have done something wrong in this moment and need to come back together. Yeah. But in fact, Mia, you need to cut bait. This person you thought was your friend was not your friend. Mm-hmm. And that actually is an important lesson that I think many young people need to hear. Yeah. Is that just because someone's been your best friend your whole life doesn't mean you can't cut them loose. That's right. That's She's right. Off. I mean, I, I hate Well, and it. Lily is Robert's uh Robert Robert's sister. Robert is the love love interest or the boy who really likes Mia for who she yes. is. Although um, he he's not great, I th- I think he's the cuter of the two boys. Um, if we're ranking them, yeah. But in fact, like he does he does some things that that okay. At one point, he says, "I want you to come to see my band play, and then we'll go get some dinner. I'll get you pizza." And she says, "Oh, is this a date?" And he says, "No, no, it's not a date." But clearly, he wants it to be a date. Now. Okay, sometimes guys chicken out. That's a that's a real fair. thing. It's fair. fair, yes. But then when she gets asked out on a real date, she says, listen, I just got asked out on a date. Is it okay if I don't go? And he says, sure, it's okay. But it's not okay with him that she's blowing him off. And I want to I want to throw out this game that young men play. It's a real game that young men yes, play. Yes, it is. It, it really is. This idea of, we're just going to be friends, and but I'm never going to take the risk mm-hmm. of of actually telling you that I like you. Uh, I'm going to like when people talk about girls friend zoning them. You friend zoned yourself. You friend zoned yourself by not being honest about your intentions. That's right. Um, and and so then there comes later on a bit where she asks him to the ball, but he's still mad at her and says no. She apologizes. <sighs> This is another why would she why would she apologize to him, right? She apologizes to everyone and no one ever accepts her apologies until she apologizes a second or a third time. And she apologizes for things that I never feel she should apologize about. She never needs to apologize to Lily. She was Mm-mm. supposed to do that show that night, but but come on, Lily. Uh, you know, don't, if you don't have the person there to do the show, this show doesn't need to be live. Right. What, what, how much ratings is this 
college, is this high school TV show on local cable? What What is the story there? Uh, if, if you, if she asks you, is it okay if I go on a date? Uh, can we, can we, are you okay with it? And you say yes. She doesn't need to apologize because exactly. you could have said no. These, and, and when the queen is like, you embarrassed me here. And she says, I'm so sorry. And the queen is like, well, that's not enough. It's never enough. It's never it, enough it, when it, she apologizes. Yeah. And she never means to hurt anyone. No. Yeah, I mean, and, Lily. Lily's causes are more important to her than Mia. Uh, Clarice is, you know, uh, legacy, I guess, uh, is more important than Mia. Uh, nobody, I mean, even Helen's going to date her teacher and that's not that big of a deal. I mean, like it, the only person I think that really likes Mia and sees her for who she is, is Joe. Joe, the, I, I would, the, I would agree with you. Can, and I yeah, go talk, ahead. I want to talk about this movie does have a lot of things going on that aren't the movie. Like the idea that you could be like your mom is dating your teacher. That in itself is enough to be a full movie. Oh yeah, and, and, and why is that detail like a, in there? Why is it just a sidebar? What? Why is that detail even well, in there? If I mean, it's not part of the movie. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think this movie loses its way. It's a script that it's a it's a really good first draft that no. needed to be tight. You don't think so? I think, I, I think it is. I think it. There was a really good first draft and that got, got noted to death. Oh, okay, maybe. There, and everything that was fun was taken out. There's this um, talkiness about the movie too, where we get to see, we get to hear, almost like it, it gets kind of soapy, and that um, yes. and I, uh, we're going to talk about this relationship and what happened, but we're never going to see it. Uh, we're never going to see the woman actually saying, you know, I don't know. It's it's a there mess. Are op- the- and there's so many opportunities. So there's a moment where the queen tells Mia the story of how she, um, at a at a dinner, ruined a dinner. Uh, mm-hmm. That there was a suit of armor that she knocked over. The spear went across the room into the suckling pig. Right. Let's see that. Let's see that. Yeah. There's That's a no better visual that. than anything we've gotten in this movie. There Let's is just, a lack of visuals in this movie, and for the amount of money spent, it doesn't make sense. No, unless they just paid Julie Andrews a lot of money for coming out of retirement. And and you know, as much as I, as much as I rag on the Xenon movies, mm-hmm. those movies were made on a shoestring budget. Yep, every penny that got spent is on the screen. Agree. This movie, money is wasted on nonsense, on having them live in a firehouse, uh, on shots of San Francisco, on 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 story on a stunt involving a car going backwards down a hill that a helicopter no re- yeah. on the beach, right? Yeah, songs songs to cover up the fact that nothing is happening in the movie. Just make stuff happen in your movie. Yeah, just make stuff happen. That's the magic. Yep. All right. I don't know if we can. I think I'm done talking about this movie. <laughs> okay. No, that's that's fine. Let's uh, let's, let's let's go to uh, the Glad Game. Really, uh, let's go to the Glad Game because 
again, if we have a movie that we don't necessarily love, we are making ourselves find something good, uh, something we're glad about via Pollyanna. Thank you, Pollyanna, for this. Uh, what what are you glad about, Larry? I have two things I'm glad for. Okay. Which is a largesse of generosity that I rarely give to a movie <laughs> that I hate okay. this much. Okay. <laughs> I enjoyed what, from what I've found in my research, the entirely improvised scene where Joe dances with uh, Julie Andrews, where he, where, hmm. where after teaching Mia to dance, he goes to her and wants to dance with her. I also like the bit at the end where they're holding hands as they leave. Um, I wouldn't have minded more of that in the movie. The story goes that that was not in the original draft of this script, nor was it in the book. But the two of them, as they were having like the table reading, one of them said to the other, you're so cute. And the other one said, no, you're so cute. And then they were like, yeah, let's play with this a little bit. That's an mm. actor thing that, Ella, that but the idea that they could have played with in this movie and made more of is that the queen isn't dead. And she isn't about to die, that there's yeah. still life left for her to experience. Agreed. She has a great romance ahead of her. And this movie hints at that. But put Mia in it. Put I'm sorry, now, now I'm critiquing. Put have Mia realize that there is this mutual attraction between these two people in her life. Yeah. And tell each other, have them tell each other that it's okay to pursue it. You know, conventions be it's a missed opportunity to not, I mean, you have Hector Elanzano who, who's, he's who's great. great. He's great. And why not, why not use him to his, uh, I mean, this is, uh, it's a romance. Why not, why not make the queen a little less straight laced and, and the, the same there's time. There's an inherent tension. The queen is constantly yeah. concerned about like the reputation of like, like of the monarchy. So that's why she can't be with the limo driver. And yet, let's, let, I mean, let's, let's have Mia be like, who cares? You deserve exactly, to be happy. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So and he should be afraid to approach, he should be afraid yeah. to approach her. And Mia should turn to him and go, you're in love with my grandmother. And he should yes. say, he should say something like, she can never know. Yeah. That would be a great scene. That would be lovely. That would be lovely. Okay. So, All so right. I guess what I'm glad for is the thing that happened in my imagination okay. that grew out of some good actor <laughs> moments in the movie. Uh, do you want to do, do you want to do one before I do my second one? Cause maybe you've got my, I, 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 I will. I, I am very glad that the world has Anne Hathaway because of this movie. Did you she know? Is, she is uh, one of my favorite actors. I, if she's, if she's in it, I'll watch it. I love her. So according to some information that I found out, I don't know that this is true. The reason that she does the Juliet monologue as part of her princess training is to play on the fact that her name is Anne Hathaway, which is William Shakespeare's wife. Wife's name. Ah, interesting. And that's like sort of an in-joke. Ah. Uh, went over my head, but... Yeah, uh, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, and if, but it went over, if it went over your head, Larry, it must be subtle. <laughs> It's pretty subtle. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but 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 I agree. I agree with you. She is the she is a discovery in this movie. Uh, and everyone who watched this movie should have should and did immediately 
saying, how do I cast her in the next thing? I want her oh, yeah. for my movie. Yeah. All right. So here's, here's my other thing. This okay. movie has a trailer that is doing the Lord's work. <laughs> the trailer wrong. is great. If is- you watch, friends, if you watch the trailer, you're going to think that you're going to see a wholly different movie. And you just, that's just not. It is on, it is it is recorded. Last week at the end when we were doing Mulan, I was so optimistic about this movie. I turned, and I was like, Andy, I think we're going to have a delightful time. And it's because I watched that trailer. That trailer made this movie look like fun. Well done, whoever made that trailer. You deserved an award for it. <laughs> if you didn't and get, the, maybe you and got the Oscar one. goes to best trailer. <laughs> I, there, there are awards for 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 best trailer. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, and if you didn't win, you were robbed. And I will testify to that to the Academy. All right. Well, what movie are we doing next week, Larry? Next week we are doing Tarzan. Uh, this is I I want to say nineteen ninety nine, but I just made up that number. Uh, I, so yeah, I'm, <laughs> no. So I. But it's the animated Tarzan. Yeah, the animated Tarzan. Um. I, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of the old, uh, Johnny Weissmuller movies because they're so campy and wonderful, but, uh, I, uh, truth, I've never seen Tarzan. So You've never se- oh, I've never, okay, I well mean, then- I think I had it on in the background for my kids when they were really small and they liked it, but, uh, I, I have not seen it. So, well, I won't put my opinion on the Tarzan movie one way or the <laughs> other, because, because I learned my lesson about this movie. <laughs> Um, so we will watch Tarzan and we'll get back to you next week. That's right. Well, if you like what you're hearing, will you do us a favor and share this podcast with another Disney or classic movie fan? And please check out our Once Upon a Disney Facebook page or drop us a line in our mailbag, old school at Once Upon a Disney Podcast at gmail.com. So until next time, friends, see you real soon. See you real soon.